Hello and welcome back to a very special TRK Hotline. My name is Tom Savage and you're listening to TRK Premium. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, On this podcast, I get to speak to a guy who, when I told some of my subscribers that I was going to be talking to this guy, the messages I got in were unbelievable. Um, Jacko Tauta. He's recently retired, but you might remember him as a a huge player during Munster's 2016-2017 revival season and in the seasons afterwards, uh, especially um, for the the Axel game against Glasgow. I think his uh, celebration of a try in that game um, instantly made him a cult hero at this club. And uh, when I've been speaking to Jacko on and off over the last year or two, um, he said that he, after he retired, he wanted to be able to speak to and, 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 and give his thanks to Monster supporters. So here we are. Um, I had a chat with him there this morning and uh, it really, really was very, very good. So I'm just going to get straight into it. This is a TRK Hotline and Jacko Tauta. How did you, first of all, how did you find the Springboks All-Backs game at the weekend? Oh, amazing. Yeah. Um... I didn't really know what to expect because I, I was scared of a backlash from the All Blacks because their backs were against the wall. So I was a bit nervous before the game. But um, yeah, the Springboks played brilliant. They just played their pressure game to the max and it paid off for them and scored points when they had to. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens this week. And you would have you would have played under Razzie, obviously, at Munster. Um, how, many, how many similarities do you reckon are there between how the Springboks are playing now and what Razzie was doing at Munster during during your time at the club? Um, I'd say a lot, Tom. Like, even going back to our Munster days when Munster were quite struggling. Sorry. Um, they were quite struggling and then he, he always gets a way to turn a team around very quickly. Um, he makes the game plan very simple, um, very easy to execute when you do it right. And I see a lot of similarities, a lot of um, pressure rugby, the same way we play. Good on defence, under Jock, of course, as you know, one of the best defensive coaches in the world. So there's a lot of similarities. And I suppose, uh, looking at the way the Springboks were playing on Saturday against the, the All Blacks, I think, like, what was your read on the All Blacks after the game? There seems to be a lot of criticism uh, about them at the moment, just that you know things aren't really going very well for them. But like, as a you know, uh, as a you know, Springbok yourself, like, how did that look like the All Blacks to you? That 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 you would have known? Like, it's it just seemed they just seemed very not very All Blacks. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's strange. I don't know how you experienced it, but I even felt a little bit strange feeling during the Haka. I don't know why. It felt to me like, um, I don't know if you picked that up. I picked that up straight away. It felt to me like... Going through emotions almost. Yes, there was a little bit of presence gone there already. And I knew from... And then when the first five minutes of the game, I could see um, it's going to be an uphill battle for them in that particular game. But... I just feel the All Blacks are in, you know, in professional sport, there's always a stage where you're a bit in the washing machine, if I could put it like that. You, you, you're not quite finding your feet. Things aren't going your way. I think their team is a little bit unbalanced at the moment, to be honest. I think they lack in that department. Um, but they'll find a way out of the slump of form, definitely. They will. Um, it's They're too good. They historically one of the best performing sports teams in the world so I'm looking forward to see how they get out of this situation um, 
but it, they just felt a little, it just felt a little off for me. Even from the archive change, I told my brother-in-law while we were watching, I was like, this doesn't feel right. I don't know if you felt got the same feeling. It just like, there, there was an element of because you know when the hacker is on, it feels authentic, and looking at it, it just felt like the energy wasn't there. Like they didn't believe, if that makes sense. I know it's kind of very, yes, it's very yes. vague. Like, they, but like they didn't believe it themselves. And it just kind of came across as just, I think the Springboks came out of that with more energy. They came out just kind of like, 100%. they kind of like that. I, th- I think a lot of the guys out there had to get with, they're thinking we've this game half won already with the way that they were there. It was very, very unusual. Like, and I, I, I would agree with you there with, with, the, with the All Blacks. It just seems that their 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 role build in the pack just seems a bit off to me. Like I think for the first time, I think you look at the 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 All Blacks and think there's not very many of these of their of their pack that might make a World Eleven or a World Fifteen. Like you look at the guys who are there, like Britalic, obviously I think is is class. Sam Whitelock, great player. Ardi Savea, fantastic. But everybody else, it's kind of to me not at the level that you would typically associate with the All Blacks, certainly from the forwards perspective. Yeah, 100%. I don't know if we... It's weird. Sometimes it's now that I'm retired, it's like almost like you overanalyze things, um, especially now that we spoke about the Haka, but it's weird that you got the same feeling. Um, but I agree with you. I think they're great individual players. Um, if you make the All Black side your quality, I just feel in professional sport, especially rugby, it's how you contribute in the mini micro positions groups how you get the best out of each other. I feel that's where they're lacking for me. I think, like I said, the balance is not there. So at the moment, as individuals, they're not bringing the best out of each other. Um, and once that clicks, it would be a different situation. But I also think that's the thing, the way Russ is brilliant, that even at Munster, for instance, we, I'd say in my years there, I don't think we had a, the strongest squad Monsters ever had. But the way we played was to effectively help each other be better for the game plan. And then the team all of a sudden produces and starts winning games. So I think it's strange because I watched the All Blacks play against Ireland as well. And I got that same feeling watching that, they, that the balance or the equilibrium of the team is a bit off. Yeah, like it, it seems to me that like I thought they looked better with Scott Barrett in the back row. I I I, I thought they looked better there. It almost gave them more of a foundation to play the way they want to play because they they want to have the ball. They want to play with a lot of possession. Like they they kick the ball, but like they put a lot of length on their kicks. Even against the the Springboks there at the yeah. weekend, I think they kicked half as much as the Springboks, but almost the same amount of meters. Um, so they yes. try to play a high tempo game that way to get the ball back essentially in playoff transition. But I thought the, the Springboks their aerial game was outstanding. Just really give the, the All Blacks nowhere to go. Um hundred percent. Yeah, it's, it's 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 crazy though how like the, the All Blacks, even the All Blacks, all it takes is a few bad years and any team can take a dip. Even the All Blacks, which yeah. would be amazing to think, you know, from a you know from an Irish perspective, like, you know, you'd never expect to beat the All Blacks. <laughs> you'd never and especially now, in, in New Zealand. In New Zealand, was... like Unbelievable. Yeah, crazy. So, like, with Munster, uh, in 2016, you came in on a four-month deal initially, as far as I'm aware. Mm. Um, What was your knowledge of Munster before you came to the club? Big. Um, As you know, like, uh, we South Africans, we love our rugby. So, um, and 
for me, when I was younger, growing up, I watched rugby from all over. So I used to watch super rugby because that was a bit more accessible to us. But then we're lucky in South Africa that they broadcast quite a, a wide variety of games. So I managed to watch a lot of Heineken Cup because the competition always fascinated me. Watched a bit of Prem. I didn't watch a lot of, I think it was that time, it was the Magnus League, if I'm correct. It would have been, yeah. played in. Yeah. So we didn't get a lot of that games, um, the Pro 14 games. So, But I did follow them closely. And a big friend of mine, John de Villiers, as I mentioned before, he um, was my role model growing up. And when he went to Munster after the 27 World Cup, I think it was, um, I followed him even closer. But then as you start following a team, you start looking into the history what they're about, the fans. You always see the class videos on YouTube, the highlight videos, and it was amazing. I just, you know, when you just fall in love with a club, like, for example, the, I don't, I've never been in America, but I've always supported the Green Bay Packers for some reason. Um, it's just, it, I just like them from the start, and sometimes it's hard to explain why you like a team. You just do. Um and so I looked up all these three. I, I knew that they went through in the early 2000s of coming so close, dominating European rugby, but never winning it. And then the two Heineken Cups, and it was just special um, to watch them. I just loved the club from even before I went there. And then, and then when the deal came up, I couldn't hesitate to take a dip and take a chance. Um, the scale of the club is colossal. That's the thing I've kind of seen doing Chira Kings. Just the actual mm. size of the club is unreal. Like, you know, I've been in England, France, everywhere, and people know Munster. Like, it's crazy. Like, even, even it's in crazy. New Zealand, it's mad. It, it, the scale of the club is colossal. Um, so when, Even, when, like, I'll give you a funny example. Like, um, coming back now, I haven't been home in a, in a very long time. Coming back now and stuff, uh, people always ask about Munster. They love it. And... At my sister and them's work, they had a, a on a Friday they were rugby jerseys, whatever they want, and I gave her one of my old monster jerseys to wear to work. And all the lads in there at the work were jealous, you know what I mean? They know monster, and it's lads that from South Africa. They just the club just I think it's because it's an iconic brand in world rugby, a massive brand, um, and the story about it. It's a it's an underdog club in a way. Um, small small town in the south of Ireland. It's hard to explain to people if you haven't been there. It's like um, explaining to people when you go to Ibiza. Everyone says it's awesome, but you have to you have to <laughs> yeah. go there to experience yeah. it. It's you can't you can't explain. Oh yeah, you can say it's great and it's awesome, but it doesn't do it justice. Like it's crazy because I, like I, I've 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 had a few people onto me like, oh, can you do something like Three or Kings for some other club? I like. I don't think I could do it for another club because I don't think it's for Munster. It's just unique. It's just it's a weird atmosphere. The scale of the club is just crazy. So you arrive, and what are your first impressions when you arrive there? Like, uh, there's a few different. You know, we've heard a few different things from around the Razzie era um, about. Uh, I think it was Duncan Williams and Ronald O'Mahony had were on a podcast, and they were saying that they lost to Cardiff uh, in Musgrave Park, and. Uh, uh, Razi had made them write a speech to him or write an essay to him on WhatsApp explaining mm. why they were a coward in the previous game. Is that kind of thing the kind of thing that Razi does? 
It's actually strange because how it worked for me is I, Rashi called me and we got in touch and I said I'll come over. But then I actually joined the team. So I flew in the Wednesday after they played the Scarlets. They played the Scarlets away. They won. Won. That was the first game of the season. Yes, this yeah. is actually a brilliant. Yeah, this is how it ties into it. So I arrived the Wednesday. Thursday did a light session with the SNC coaches, met everyone, said hello, got the legs moving. And the Friday was the game against Cardiff. I'll never forget it. And Tyler Bladendall actually became a great mate of mine, was injured. So he said, drive down from Limerick um, to Cork. I've only been there for two nights. So I've been there in, in Castle Troy, the town Limerick. Lovely, yeah. awesome. Yeah. He picked me up and then I already got that whole vibe of traveling between Limerick and Cork. So you take all the back roads. Um, and I was just in awe, to be honest. It was it was awesome. It felt like a holiday for me. And I went to the game, sat in the crowd. But I haven't really met all the blokes because it was a Friday game. So they didn't train on Thursday. And they all just went to the game on Friday. So I sat in the crowd next to Tyler, experienced... So I've always heard about Foman Park, but now I've experienced Cork. I love that stadium as well. It was awesome. Full 8,000 people, great vibe, and watching the game, and they lost. And I knew that this would be a turning point um, under Rassi now. And now I haven't even met all the players. So now I, now I, Tyler says, let's go down to the changing room. And I say, I haven't really met any of the blokes. I met the guys who are not playing. And... I said, you know what, I'll do it. It shows you from, and I know from there I'll go. And I just made the switch in my brain that I'm here for the good and the bad times. So I was like, I'll go in and stand in a circle. It'll be a bit awkward because everyone will be like, oh, that's the guy that just came over for medical choker. And I went in and I knew, oh, when Rassi's game after the speech, or Rassi's speech after the game, that um, this would be the turning point. And it was. He, um, he did some funny things, brilliant things. Um, wrote all the Cardiff players' ages on a on a whiteboard and um, just actually made that mental switch in the lads. It, it wasn't actually a bollocking. It was more of a, a realistic reminder of what just happened. And from there, things started to slowly turn. I couldn't play yet because I was waiting for my working permit. So I still then, what, what's good for me as well, from that Monday, I was able to train with the lads fully. I just couldn't play. Yeah. But it was amazing how, because I think for, for the Irish, for the Irish blokes, it was a bit of a, a, a weirdness because it's the first time like Rassi implemented his coaching style and his way of mentally motivating the lads. But I knew Rassi from a while. I knew that this is going to be the turning point. This is where everything will start. So obviously, then uh, you were you were there for a few weeks. You made your de- your debut against Zebra, I think it was it. Um, you you made your debut yes, there against Zebra. Um, and from there, then there was everything around Anthony Foley with the European Cup and the the over in Paris. What was your what 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 was that like inside the the the, the camp? I suppose because I think. For me, just massive shock. I was only doing Three Kings for a year at that point, and just did the shock of it. You hear things from over in Paris. What was that like on like on the day and then and then the few days after? Yeah, it was it was uh, a very tough, tough experience because 
for me personally, for that, I only knew Axel for five, six weeks, I think. Um, so I, I actually only started my relationship with him. And then that day, the Saturday, I'll never forget it. It was just after Leinster and I was named to start. Um, and then it was just an unbelievable massive shock. We were busy getting ready for the game. It was about 12 o'clock and it was just an explosion of emotions. Um, everyone was shocked. Um, the way Rassi dealt with it was incredible. And the other coaching staff and the EPCR, the hotel, everyone was extremely brilliant in the way they handled it. But it was even, even Rassing as well, I think, were very good. Uh, Rassing were very yeah. good, yeah. I think and that was just, it was very, very tough. The week following up to the Glasgow game was very tough. We barely trained. Um, it just shows you that sometimes training isn't everything. It's 80 to, or not these, I'd say there is just that, un, it's almost like an unknown factor of emotional capability. Um, that week was incredibly tough. Then having Axel's funeral on the Friday, um, it was around about one o'clock and our game against Glasgow was quarter to one. So 24 hours later, having to play a game. And for me, I didn't really know what to do. All I tried to do was support the lads because yeah. they've all walked a very long and great journey of Axel. So all I did, all I tried to do was just support them. Nothing more. And when I told people in my, on my site that I was going to be talking to you, and I asked for memories of Jack Latota. Um, there's one that stands out, which is during the Axel game, the try you scored and the celebration afterwards. It's something that when people think of it, they think Jack Latota. They think Munster. What a moment that was. What was it like in the stadium uh, on in Tolman Park that day? Because uh, I've been in Tolman Park on the pitch for an ad thing. And it's impressive when there's nobody there. What's it like? What was that? What was it like that day for that match? It, it, I'm getting goosebumps now. Actually, it was almost like being in a dream for me. Um, it was incredible. I, I've was lucky enough to play quite a few big games in Thurman Park. There were sellouts, especially that year when there was a revival. Um, that was incredible. It was a unbelievable occasion. The crowd. There was no, never a moment of silence. Every eight minutes, they sang a song in memory of Axel. Thinking back now, it's the first game in my life. It was only my third game in a while, and I was quite scared of my match fitness. But mm. for some reason, that game, I just couldn't get tired. It was an unbelievable moment and a fitting tribute to Axel. Um, for me as well, just being there, it was an emotional game because it was a few years previously I lost my mother as well. So going through that week and going to Axel's funeral meant a lot emotionally and personal to me. I don't think I don't think I've said that to people before, but that moment for me was very emotional in my own personal life as well, going through that. So it was just an incredible, incredible occasion. Yeah, Tolman, Tolman Park can it can do that to you. It's got a it's got a weird effect yes. there when the when when the crowd is on and it's 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 big. It's very very special. Now a few questions I've had in from people for you. 
One of them was specifically about the act, but that Glasgow game or the aftermath of it. Uh, how did it feel when you absolutely broke the Glasgow hooker in two, the fellow who dived for Earlsey's red card in the Axel game? Jeez, <laughs> yeah. it, it was weird. Like it, it felt great, but the thing is about the lads that day is they would have gone to the depths of hell, to be honest. Everyone just wanted to keep on going. I think there was no, there was no respect towards our own bodies. That's what happens when the crowd gets on your, when they give you that extra, it takes you to another level where mm-hmm. you don't care what happens with your body. You don't get tired. You are just in absolute war mode. Um, it doesn't happen a lot. I think a lot of you, you'll hear a lot of professional athletes say that they, it's sometimes when you get into that special place, the zone, I think all of the lads were going down to 14 men against the Glasgow team that year. That was incredibly good. They were pretty good. Especially, they were on, attack, especially on attack. Mm-hmm. And to defend like we did, play like we did, it was incredible. And that year, it made even more special because we played Glasgow four times that year. They were tough. They had something. They were, had a dog about them that year. Oh, they were. Um, sure. Even in the even in the, the Axel game, they were they were going after Murray's standing leg on the box kicks, which is like, yes. you know, like, I mean, that that that's fairly... That's very tough going, you know, to be going to yes. be going there, you know. And that was a big thing that year when we played them. I remember Rasid saying that in the team meetings and stuff. So every time we played against Glasgow, it was oof, that year especially. It was some occasion we we knew it was going to be one of one hell of a filthy match, to be honest. Um, but I like games. I, for me, it was great, and like I think Rasi and Jock knew that as well. I love those type of games. So for me. I enjoyed it a lot. But there it is something tough. enjoyable when there's sort of like a kind of a safeties off in a game scenario like that where they're going full hard and a little bit over the line, but you can do the same, if that makes sense. Yes, so you almost fight fire with fire within the, on the edge of the boundaries of being illegal or doing something stupid. Do you know, and, and uh, but we, were, we were talking about the, the hacker there earlier, the Maori All Blacks game. Um, the... Hacker there was another game where I felt that afterwards, Munster, I had a feeling Munster winning this after that mm. game, that game, which is, it, 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 it's a weird one. So as the season went on, I was hearing more and more about Jack O'Toughton. Now at that point, had you, because you signed a two-year deal after, like later that season, was that kind of always in the off thing as the season was going on? Because I think everybody was, like, I remember at the time, are we going to keep Jacko? Is you know is totally going to be staying on? Like that was the big big question around the time. Like so, was that something from relatively early on? You were fairly like that that that, that monster we're talking about, or was it something that just kind of developed as it went on? Because I think you were there for four months and then extended for another little bit, wasn't it? Yes. So I think it's also important to give the people about background of where I was at that time in my career. So. I was playing for Western Province. We won the Curry Cup in 2014. I had injury niggles in 2015. Didn't play a lot. Um, I was ready for a change in my life. I was. I went through a difficult personal time with the passing of my mom. So I felt a bit bent up over there. Um, and this opportunity was the biggest blessing in my life, in my rugby life, to be honest. And then... I went over with the attitude to Munster. It's going to sound weird, but I told my agent that I left. I said, I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. But I put that mindset to one side. And I, 
every game was my last game. I imagine that for Munster, especially during that year, I, I told myself that this is going to be every game is your last game. There's nothing afterwards and there's nothing before that. So, and the thing with Rossi is he was so good with me that we had that understanding. I told him, listen, I'll take it game for game and absolutely play as hard as I can and give you everything. And he told me, explained to me how the IRFU systems work and I understood that. So I never really had, it sounds weird, but I I knew it, it's not easy to sign for an Irish team when you're a foreigner. Mm-hmm. But Rossi just told me, you just give your best and play as hard as you can every game and we'll see what happens. And I said, fair deal. And as it went on, the four month stopped and he asked me, do I want to stay for another six months? I said, yes. And we agreed again on the same attitude. And then when the time came, it was only late in March or April that Munster then offered me the contract. I was over the moon and then I signed. So I just took every game as my last game, to be honest, during that time and taking nothing for granted. I don't want to think too far in the future. I just wanted to focus on every game. And you, you had two years of Munster. You had a, a knee injury at one point there as well. But a lot of people wondering as well, one of the other main questions I was getting in, what was your kind of your, your main kind of highlight from Munster, we'll say, outside of the Axel game, which would be you, you'd be very well known for for, the, for that celebration and, and your performance, of course, that day. What would be a kind of a highlight for you at Munster during that time? I think on, on the rugby side of things, that was such a crazy year. We had so many great games, but the thing that stood out for me was actually the tough games, like the Maori all that game. Mm-hmm. Playing that week was horrible weather. I remember that we picked quite a young team. Rossi wanted to give a lot of inexperienced guys game time. And we almost, I, I hate using the word B team, but it was definitely not our strongest team mm-hmm. on paper. And then to go through a horrible training week, it was, to be honest, it was a bit of a shit show. Yeah. The weather was torrential. And then to win that game against a very good Maori All Black team was incredibly special. Um, it meant a lot to a lot of guys who were younger. So that was amazing for me as a, as a memory. And then the games that stood out for me were actually the tough games, like going to Cardiff late in the season away, also tough. We rested a few players because we had Heineken Cup coming up. Winning away there is special. People, under, people underestimate the value of those, those games for a squad team. And then oh, the Heineken Cup semi against Saracens was also a massive yeah. occasion. Um, it was heartbreaking to lose that. But at that stage, I think that was one step too far for that team. It, it, it seemed that, that also, the energy had kind of it was starting to dissipate. You know, just people just getting like tired. Yeah. Guys rounding their feet to an extent. You know, you could see it even in, in the Scarlet's game that was coming like like the, in the final. That was just another one of those slight games too far as well because it just seemed that after the emotion of the year, that group I think probably went further than maybe a lot of people. But certainly that I thought at the start of the season yeah. you know, to say a Heineken Cup semi final. A Pro 14 final I was like I don't know like you know that would have been fairly ambitious but to get to that level I think the team looked a little bit tired at the end yes 100% I remember my body was broken going into the last let's say four weeks of the of the season and 
that just shows you how burned Rossi is. Rossi saw that, he knew that, um, and he picked Francis Ailey. And that's brilliant because I knew that my, I was starting to struggle physically mm-hmm. and mentally because I remember I had a tear in my rotator cuff on the, on the weirdest of places. So I was just battered. And we tried our best to manage the squad in a way that we can try and win those things but it was just like I said one step too far yeah I know because you could see it you could see it on field like where just the energy because I think even looking at the way the Springboks play now people think that it's a sort of a you know that it, that's it's an easy way to play but it's incredibly physically demanding to play a sort of a kick pressure style game especially for mm. like in, in, in midfield and like and that's one of the things a lot of people are asking as well like your like your midfield work obviously stood out massively and, and, and your kind of familiarity with playing kind of what Razzie would have wanted was a kind of would have been a big factor as well. Like as a midfielder playing that sort of kick pressure game, what are some of the things that you have to kind of what what are you looking out for as a midfielder in, in that type of system, we'll say? So you look you're hundred percent correct. You're looking at a lot of high speed meters because the midfield is the ones that actually set the, the chase. And the wingers. So normally when you kick contestable, your wingers will go and contest. But you need to be alive around the ball. And even if you kick long and put that pressurizing um, kick chase on, it's your midfield that actually is the guys that set the pace there. So it's very demanding. And also then when you get the ball back, it's about bouncing back into your attacking position to then attack. So... It is incredibly demanding. That's why you'll see teams that, that play a big kick pressure game, for instance, the Springbok and Leicester, they're incredibly fit. It's hard to get to that level because you need to train. And that's where a guy like Alad Walters was brilliant. Um, you do specific training for that. So when you get into the game, you actually can't do that because it's such an important part of the game plan that if you aren't physically able to do it, you would just on the other side of the spectrum, create more problems for yourself. You won't chase kicks, it won't work, you'll be a bit exposed on transition defence and you'll get cut or broken and you'll concede. But if you do it right and if you're physically able, you can, um, yeah, it, it suffocates teams. And then on the attack side of things, it's also demanding because it's a system where the forwards carry a lot, so they have to be, but then when the backs get the opportunity, you have to strike and Felix Jones is an incredible player and a good friend of mine as well. We've stayed in contact for years now and he's exceptional at that because he was that type of player. Unbelievable work rate. He was one of the still known now as one of the fittest guys in the Munster squad. So they expect a lot from you in terms of your realignment on attack, your bounce, your counter-rucking ability, um, everything. Um, so... You can even see that, in, 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 for example, in Damien Dalenda's play. He's extremely efficient at breakdown. And that is a thing that Rossi and Chalk is, is they're very serious about. Extremely efficient at breakdown, carries well, and also chases well when he needs to. And it's just, it is tough, but what, once you have a good SNC that can get your body able to execute that, it actually becomes quite fun, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And so, like you mentioned Lester there, like after your two years at Munster, uh, Leicester come in for you. That's uh, you know going from Munster to to Leicester, two really famous historic clubs. Like and, and you were there, I think, for the sort of the, the rebuild of Leicester uh, when they had a, a, a tough first season, um, and then Steve Bortwick comes in and um, things start to turn around. Um, 
again, like, like you mentioned there, elements of a kick pressure game. What was that like at Leicester, turning it around and, and being in that environment? Because I, I understand you got you'd injured, you you get injured there too, but like as in you were you you were involved around the team as well, also while out injured. Yeah, so it's strange enough because when I joined the Lions when I started my career, it was the same thing. Then we turned that around and the John Mitchell and we won a Curry Cup. Then I went to the Stormers because I had to, because I didn't, or that time I played for the Springboks. Lions had to exit Super Rugby. So the Springbok coach at that time wanted us to play Super Rugby. So I went there, struggled a bit as well, but we ended up winning a trophy at the Curry Cup there. Then going to Munster, where it was also wasn't the greatest of places when I joined, turned that around. Same with Leicester. So when I joined, it was tough at the start. Um, a lot of things had to change. They did change. Um, I've been lucky enough to be coached by brilliant coaches. Steve Borfwick is one of them. Jordan Murphy as well. I just think the place needed to change. Alec came in, one of the best SNC coaches in the world. Uh, knows exactly how to condition you for the type, for the way we want to play. And turned it around, had a horrible run of injuries. Um, that was very hard, but it was great to, to be just part of the squad that won the Prem now. So for me, that was amazing. And um, it's nice. I always like going, it sounds weird, but I like being at a place through the bad times and then getting out of that. And that makes it makes looking back at my career now, it's very special. One thing I wanted to just let you know here, um, there's a guy here, he says, um, I just want to just let Jacko know what a hero he was to many Munster supporters during his time, uh, certainly for me. Um, so I think that sums up how the people of Munster remember you and remember how you played for the club while you were here. And um, it's, I think given your, your work here over, over the time you were here, I think you'll be a guy who'll be remembered at the club for many, many years. So I just wanted to let you know that, just that that's one of the main things oh, that people are, much, yeah. are, are sending in uh, about Jack Otola, what a hero you were to them. So uh, thank you very much for joining me on this, Jacko. Really, really pleasure to have you on. And um, That's a big pleasure, Tom. Yeah, and uh, just uh, I, I'll be back on to you again, I think, <laughs> just to hear from you. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, uh, and I, I think it is a nice way to say Thank you to all the Munster fans. It was an incredible time in my career. It's something I needed. It meant a lot to me, personally and emotionally, being able to wear the jersey and play. And all I ever wanted to do was just enjoy my time being there and then do the jersey justice that it deserves. So um, I just want to say thank you to all the supporters over there for the great messages. And um, yeah, it was, it was an honor to represent the club. And it's something that will, it will stick with me for my whole life. It was incredible. And to the people of Ireland, like it's my, it was so nice living there. The people are so friendly, so heartwarming, so welcome. And I miss the place a lot. Um, I'll definitely go visit again. Um, but yeah, I just want to say thank you. I don't, I don't think people understand sometimes how much it means to a person, especially for me, like I mentioned, I was in a very dark place, in, not yeah, not dark place, but difficult place in my life before I went to Munster. And it was just incredible. Um, it meant so much more to me on an emotional level. And for my rugby, it went well as well. I'm very grateful, but it was amazing. And I really appreciate it.